Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome to Someone Greater Podcast. A podcast about homebrew and homies. <laughs> Could not have been prepared for that even if you had warned me. I'm Sam. I'm Skylar. And uh, we spend a hell of a lot of time uh, theory crafting shit for Dungam and Dagam. As, as you well know. Uh, by the fact that uh, this is, you know, 30 episodes in. Congratulations to us. I was going to say, is this, this officially number 30? This is 30. Hell yeah. yeah. But often what we're obsessing over and theory crafting about when it's not Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition is Pokemon. Yes. Earlier this week, Skylar ran across a series of images on Pinterest. Some really cool humanoid Pokemon. Skylar sent a bunch of these to me and was like, these are subclasses, clearly. Yeah. Um, and I I agree immediately. Uh, most of these are probably something really interesting and really distinct. So we're tackling two or three of them today. Uh, definitely two or three if we have, if we have time. Which one of us wants to start more? Because I really want to get into it. You can start if you want, okay. man. Go for it. Cool. So the one we're starting with is Greninja. Um, and I have chosen to go the route of Monk for this, a Monk subclass. I'm calling it Way of the Dark Tide. That's so freaking sick, dude. Greninja is one of my top three favorite Pokemon of all time. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited for this. Nice. Yeah. My uh so my basis for the, the ideas that go into this subclass uh is really how um Greninja is represented most often in the media in which he appears. First of all, we've got a bonus proficiency. Uh, when you choose this tradition at third level, you're gonna gain proficiency in the stealth skill if you don't already have it. Very good. Very good. And then at third level, we get, we get into our first class ability. It's called Liquid Arsenal. Oh, oh. At third level. My heart. Your attunement to water itself allows you to create basic weaponry at a moment's notice, granting you the ability to summon a, nin a ninja toe or a shuriken. Now, I have chosen ninja toe because Greninja is very often seen uh using the water shurikens or a watery kunai um i shied away from actually making this a kunai because like that's just too much of a piercing weapon in my opinion and more often than not uh greninja is shown using the the sharp cutting edge of the blade for Slashing damage of some sort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He makes big sweeping flashy movements with it. So I, I went with the Ninja Toe, a, a short katana looking blade that is used more for that purpose. Isn't that the straight one? Like katanas have a little bit of a curve. Yes. Them. Yes. Um, but it does have a very notable like sharp slashing edge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still got the Tonto edge on it. Mm -hmm. The damage type of the Ninja Toe is slashing and the Shuriken piercing. Both use your martial arts die for damage. You're proficient with them, and you add your dexterity modifier to their attack and damage rolls. Ninja Toe are light and finesse weapons, and shurikens are finesse and thrown weapons with a range of 20-60. Hell yeah. Um, the damage types will become important later. <laughs> 
you may use these weapons in place of unarmed strikes where applicable. Ooh. For example, uh, you can use these for your flurry of blows attacks or oh. your extra attack. <laughs> That's so good. This does mean that you get to throw shurikens as your flurry of blows. Which is fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, water shuriken is Greninja's signature move post Gen mm-hmm. 6. And I wanted to really lean into that. Oh, yeah. As much as I could. Um, and just like, uh, the idea of, of using flurry of blows like that is it, <laughs> th- this is one of the biggest reasons there are many, but this is one of the biggest reasons I went with monk over like rogue or something for Greninja. Mm. Just because like I felt, you know, flurry of blows and like stunning strike and shit like that were very up his alley, I think. Yeah. Um, so at sixth level, you get wet block. I don't like the way that sounds, but I know it's going to be cool. This is the way I've chosen to flavor Matt Block. Okay. All right. And also, I just thought it sounded really funny. <laughs> Wet Block. Like, it's, it sounds like, oh my God. Did you ever have the um, plastic Lego brick shaped containers that opened on the top? Yes. I've also got this. <laughs> That is a wet block. It's more of a gelatinous cube, but that, well, that's fair. it looks like a wet block. It really does. <laughs> no, we used to have those Lego containers. Yeah. And we put Play-Doh in them. Oh, yeah. Because we were idiot children. So <laughs> I filled one with Play-Doh. But for some reason, <laughs> like I had like water in, on my hands or I, my hands were wet or something. Anyway, this is like a very specific core memory. To yeah, you. it really is. I it just came out of nowhere. I can't relate. Scooping wet Play-Doh out of a Lego That's brick. Disgusting. Wet block. <laughs> Why did you do that? I, you know, I was like three, man. That's Wow. Um, I can't believe what I pulled out of you. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wet block. At sixth level, you are able to conjure a watery version of the shield spell as a reaction when you expend two key points. You may choose to expend one additional key point to extend the effect of the spell to one other creature of your choice within 30 feet of you. Oh, fuck. That's so good. It gets better. If an opponent hits this spell with a melee attack, they must succeed on a strength saving throw or be knocked back from you 10 feet. Your spell save DC uses your wisdom modifier. Damn. So let's go over how map block works. Yeah. Um, it, it no one uses it in like competitive <laughs> or anything because it's a, it's a shit move. <laughs> yeah. But it does a lot of different things that I think are really interesting and it's a well-flavored attack. You use it in in the same kind of position you'd use you would use fake out where um an opponent uh swaps in or is fake out when you swap. I forget. Uh you use this move when an opponent swaps in on you. Their first turn in combat. Um and if you throw up the map block and they attack it um, it forces them to swap out. Oh, so that's my reasoning for uh, the 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 pushback, you know, burst of water that that pushes them back if they they come at you with a melee attack. And then also, map block protects your whole team. Mm, okay. So 
That's that's why I've chosen to be able to expand the spell to a party member. Yeah, I was going to ask, when you use that extra key point to do the range on it, mm-hmm. does it still affect you and the other person? Or oh, yeah. is it... Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So until the start of your next turn, both you and, you know, party member that you pick, um, have the shield spell. That's pretty crazy. For three key points. That's pretty crazy. Or two for just yourself. I think you're going to like this one. This is Protean. Yes. I worked hard on this one. I almost didn't include it, but I think I found a way. At 11th level, you channel the whole of your being into every strike you deal, and you are uniquely committed to the types of damage you harness as you dish it out. After you've used an attack, you gain resistance to the damage of the type of attack you just used until the beginning of your next turn in combat, or until you use an attack of another damage type. That's so freaking cool, dude. Yeah. I see there were two. I was thinking you might take it a different direction. I was thinking you might take it in to the, to the point where you could like by spending a key point, you could change the type of damage that one of your attacks mm. does. But I like this way better. Yeah. This is super cool. Yeah. Um, this resistance applies to any attack you commit to even spell attacks by way of a magic item or similar means. Hell so yeah. any attack that comes from you, uh, you will become temporarily for a turn resistant to that type. That's so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I chose to go with resistances instead of like, you know, the, the stab bonus equivalent. Um, because in most cases, when you become a single type uh, via Protean in Pokemon, you you are more often than not resistant to that same type. That's just how most of the types work. Yeah. So that was the property I wanted to emulate the most out of that. Mm-hmm. This is also why I, when I made this ability, I, I went back and changed the Ninja Toe damage. Originally, it was just like a short sword and shuriken, and they were both piercing. Mm. But then I had this, and I'm like, wait, this dude slashes with that thing all the time. It's It's got to yeah. be a slashing <laughs> weapon. And also, you know, bludgeoning from your unarmed strikes. Like that's that's three just just off rip, yeah. That you have access to as a monk, um, and I feel more like, like as a subclass. Right I here. feel like monks also get the ability to choose to do force damage with their unarmed, like at um, later levels. That might be a playtest thing. Okay, that might be like the, one I of the new unearthed. I remember that, but I would believe you. Did I also mention earlier that the liquid arsenal becomes magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity when you gain key empowered strikes. I don't know if you did, but that is a good distinction. They do that. Our last one here is flowing momentum. You will recognize this quickly. At 17th level, you've become one with your liquid arsenal and enter a flow state as you fight with it, gaining momentum as your strikes land. You know this guy. This state is entered after successfully landing five strikes with your unarmed strikes or liquid arsenal. While in your flow state, you gain 10 10 feet of walking speed and plus one to your attack bonus. You also become able to gather water faster and summon much larger versions of your watery shuriken and ninja toe. When you attack with these weapons, your martial arts die is rolled twice. These upgraded weapons may only be used to attack when taking the attack action. So not for extra attack or anything like that. You're you're reverted back to using the original forms of these weapons for those attacks, but so they don't count for like flurry of blows. No. Gotcha. Your flow state ends at the end of combat, or if you are paralyzed, petrified or incapacitated. Hell yeah. Flowing momentum 
is obviously that's Battle Bond. Yep. That's the one I think needs just like the slightest adjustment because it's got a bunch of different things going on. The thing I'm, I guess, most conflicted about is the stat changes, the 10 feet of walking speed and the plus one to attack bonus. What level do you get flow state at again? 17. I feel like that's good, though. I feel like they got to be fine. Yeah. Um. Because because notably what Battle Bond does post, I think, Gen 8 is um, it just gives you a plus one to attack speed and special attack i think so yeah also i didn't want to make it contingent on a kill yeah because like that's so much easier to do in pokemon than it is in DD, especially if you're fighting one very difficult enemy it's also like there's less moral quandary with with doing that in pokemon yeah <laughs> you know that's true like it's it's a little less you gotta kill a man to activate this ability <laughs> right it's a little at, less at no monk like point, yeah at, at no point to have <laughs> we designated this class as like a killer. Right. So I didn't, I didn't feel like that was appropriate. For this. No, I think landing a certain number of strikes is good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have something like, like flurry of blows available to you. Yeah. That works for me. Um, do you think the plus one to the attack bonus could be any more? I was going to say you could maybe make it like a plus two or yeah. plus. I wouldn't say plus three. I wouldn't say plus three either. I that think plus be, two is good Two. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes some sense to me. I'm very happy with how this came together and synergizes with itself. Man, I really don't have many yeah. notes. Like, I, I, I can look at that subclass and I can pick out that's this move that Greninja mm -hmm. has. That's this ability Greninja yeah. has. And like, it feels like Greninja, which is my favorite thing. Yeah. I think the only thing that popped into my head when you were talking about it was the Smash Bros. Greninja mm -hmm. moveset. But I don't think that's necessarily like contingent, like around it, it's, it's not a Greninja signature thing, but I well, was thinking of I, the, I like the shadow step thing. Shadow sneak. Yeah. yeah shadow I sneak. was, I was, I did consider that quite a bit. I almost made the third ability, some, some type of shadow sneak. Um, but I, at the end of the day decided that it just, uh, was too similar to, um, uh, shadow step from way of shadow. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's ultimately why I didn't go with that. But like, I, I really, really considered that because it's it's a huge part of how Greninja is represented and also like part of his core moveset in the games. And also, I was thinking about it as you were talking, because the other one that popped into my head, obviously, was Substitute mm -hmm. Greninja in, in Smash Bros. It's a very common used move for Greninja. It's mm -hmm. your counter. And I was thinking about it. I was like, Man, how would I put substitute as like a class ability? Yeah. And I don't think I would. I think it would be a spell. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh. That's true, isn't it? Oh, that would be a really interesting spell. Too. Can you imagine that as like a third level, like counter spell type? Oh, man. Spell, like um, instead of countering. A I mean, it, it depends on how you on how you translate substitute, because like if you were to make it, you know, literal <laughs> to how it appears in the games, yeah. then like that's a that's a. That's a weird one and probably like six level or higher. Yeah, the, like the actual substitute move from Pokemon games would be a very much higher one. If I'm taking the one from Smash Bros, I think mm. the way I would do it <clears throat> is that it would be like a third level reaction spell where when you would take damage, um, you can cast the spell mm -hmm. And then you take like 2d6, um, I don't know, psychic damage or something. You take 2d6 damage 
and then you immediately teleport up to 30 feet away mm-hmm. and leave behind an illusory double that takes the damage for you. Yeah. But yeah, man, other than that, like me just thinking like, oh, these would be cool too. Like it was at no point was I like, eh, I don't know if I would have done that. Like mm-hmm. everything about that subclass is like, that's Greninja. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the subclasses I made that I've made that I'm like the most satisfied with. Uh, it just, it all works together. It's good. It's beautiful. What do you got? I have a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went a little crazy. So the one that I want to start with is old skinny legs himself. The skinniest legged boy could be in Pokemon. But it's not anybody. <laughs> it's Darkrai. It's Darkrai. What do you mean skinny legs? I'm about to show you. Wait a you. fucking second. I feel like I've seen this I before. I think you have. Okay, why... <laughs> Why is this a thing? <laughs> I don't know, bro, but they put that shit in the anime. No hesitation. Darkrai oh. got skinny ass legs. Here I was thinking like <laughs> this was the result of like a glitch or something in a game. Uh-uh. They just did that. They yeah. actually just drew it like that. Yeah. He's got what a whole fuck? ass anime episode with skinny legs. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so weird. Oh my god, man. <laughs> it looks really bad with legs. Dude. It's terrifying. It's so unnerving. But anyway, Darkrai, for those of you who don't know, is a legendary Pokemon from Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. <clears throat> um, the antithesis to Cresselia. Cresselia being like the crescent moon Pokemon. Darkrai being the new moon Pokemon or no moon. So I have created the new moon sorcerer. Okay. Whether you were born beneath it, bound to it, or completed a ritual to it, you have been infused with the silvery, illusory power of the new moon and its darkness. When you take the subclass at first level, um, you gain Child of the Moon. You gain dark vision out to a range of 120 feet. Additionally, you gain proficiency in the stealth skill if you do not already have it. When you reach third level in this class, you learn the invisibility spell which does not count against your number of sorcerer spells known. Um, You may cast invisibility in this way by expending a spell slot or by spending two sorcery points. Uh, The other first level ability you get is Shifting Shadows. While you are in dim light or darkness, you are surrounded by an illusion that makes you appear to be standing in a place near your actual location, causing any creature to have disadvantage on attack rolls against you. If you take damage, this property ceases to function until the start of your next turn. The property is suppressed while you are incapacitated, restrained, or otherwise unable to move. Um, and again, that is only active in dim light or darkness. But it's like like a passive in those conditions? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's like, um, I kind of ripped that one from, what are they called? Panther Boys with the Displacer Beast. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so it's it's just a displacement effect. At 6th level, you gain the ability Dark Pulse. You can harness the power of darkness to unleash a wave of shadowy energy. As an action, you can expend 4 sorcery points to unleash a 15-foot radius wave of dark energy. Each creature within the range must make a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. On a failed save, 
the target takes 3d6 necrotic damage and is blinded until the end of its next turn. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage and is not blinded. Starting at 14th level, you get Dark Void. You may cast the Levitate spell on yourself at will. Additionally, when you are in dim light or darkness, as a bonus action, you may teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space that's also in dim light or darkness. In addition, you can tap into the abyssal power of the night to plunge creatures into a deep slumber. As an action, you can spend five sorcery points to unleash a wave of darkness in a 30-foot radius centered on yourself. Each creature of your choice within the radius must make a wisdom saving throw against your sorcerer spell save DC. <clears throat> on a failed save, the creature falls unconscious for one minute or until it takes damage or someone uses an action to shake it awake. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. Um, additionally, the range of this feature increases to 60 feet when you reach 18th level. Also at 18th level, you get the ability Nightmare Shroud. You have mastered the silvery darkness of the new moon. You gain the ability to cast greater invisibility without spending a spell slot. You may do this a number of times equal to your char charisma modifier. Additionally, any creatures unconscious as a result of your Dark Void ability take 2d6 psychic damage at the start of each of their there turns while unconscious. This damage does not cause them to awaken. Finally, you can spend five sorcery points to cast Phantasmal Killer without expending a spell slot. When you cast Phantasmal Killer using this feature, the target cannot realize that the damage is illusory until it drops to zero hit points. That's brutal. Damn. Yeah. <clears throat> I was I was waiting for the bad dreams ability to show up. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wanted I'm so to happy it did. I wanted to hit on Dark Void and Bad Dreams. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. But you nailed both of those. Thank you. Thank you. I was really worried because I was like, I feel like bad dreams is just too strong for a D and D ability. <laughs> that's not like way at the end of the class. It does need to be pretty <laughs> far out there. Yeah. Yeah. I um, also I like the addition of the uh the blinding ability. Mm, yeah. Um, like I uh I, I like that you leaned into the status conditions. Dark void is hard to justify as an early level kind of ability. Yeah. So having like <laughs> something else notable early on that does a, a different, like way less scary status condition. Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea, I think. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, I wanted to put as much Darkrai flavor into every ability as mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. And I know that a lot of these, like, abilities that you get at varying levels have a ton of things that you get. Mm -hmm. So I'm fully aware that it's one of the stronger subclasses in existence right now just by way of the amount of things it lets you do. Yeah. But, I mean, it's Darkrai. Yeah. Yeah. If he can't be good in Pokemon, at least make him good in D&D. &D. Free my boy. <laughs> he is good in Pokemon. <laughs> well, I mean, Darkrai is good in Pokemon, but his fucking signature moves dog shit. <laughs> Dark Void? Dark Void. Isn't Dark Void, like, banned? No, they nerfed the hell out of oh, it. Oh, did they? Yeah, man. Oh, no. In Gen 9... It is. It only has fifty percent accuracy. Oh no! They they just nerfed the hell of it. It's actually worse than hypnosis. Yeah, isn't it? 
But yeah, anyway, for those of you who are completely baffled about what we're talking about in Pokemon, Darkrai's signature move is called Dark Void. What it does is it puts all Pokemon on the opposing side of the field to sleep. And then Darkrai has the ability Bad Dreams. Sleeping enemies lose one-eighth of their maximum HP at the mm -hmm. end of each turn. And it also learns moves like um, Dream Eater that will siphon HP from enemies. So that's that was the theming that I kind of went with for the Sorcerer build. And also Darkrai's whole thing of just teleporting through the darkness mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very good. Pretty good theming. Hell um, yeah. What are the uh, what are the stat bonuses, if any, that this subclass provides? Uh, no specific stat bonuses. Okay. Um, yeah, I that would that would be more of a racial. I couldn't thing. remember if you said anything like that. No, you gain um, you gain proficiency in stealth at first level, but that was probably it. Yeah. Okay. And I had another one. What did it? The subclass. Is called the Blazing Phoenix yes. Fighter. So this is Blaziken. So the Blazing Phoenix is a fighter subclass that embodies the ferocity and power of the legendary Phoenix. Warriors who follow this path harness the fiery energy of the mythical bird, unleashing devastating attacks that scorch their enemies. However, wielding such intense power comes with a price, as the Blazing Phoenix must endure the flames of their own abilities. Phoenix Fury. You gain proficiency in the acrobatic skill, reflecting your agile combat style. Additionally, when you take the subclass at third level, you gain the ability to channel the fiery essence of the phoenix into your attacks. As a bonus action on your turn, you can ignite your weapon, causing it to flare with intense flames until the end of your turn. Your weapon attacks deal an additional 1d6 fire damage while ignited. You can use that ability a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier. Um, I might extend the duration on that a little bit because mm -hmm. I just realized I had that till the end of the turn. I was trying to figure out a good way to, like, should it be something you have to activate every turn or should it be something that, you know, you activate once and it lasts yeah. for a minute. I'd probably go with last for a minute. Um, <clears throat> then at level seven, you get Phoenix Flare. You learn to unleash a devastating charge attack reminiscent of a flaming meteor. On your turn, you may use your action to make a Phoenix Flare attack. When you do so, you leap into the air and twist your body, soaring back down with the ferocity and heat of a meteor. You leap to an unoccupied space you can see within 10 feet of you, causing a burst of fire when you impact the ground. You may not move farther than your maximum movement speed per round, so if you don't have 10 feet of movement remaining, you can't use it. Mm -hmm. Um... Every creature within a 10-foot radius of where you landed must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, they take 2d6 fire damage and 2d6 bludgeoning damage and are knocked prone. On a successful save, they take half damage and are not knocked prone. When you make this attack, you take half of the bludgeoning damage dealt as your reckless attack takes its toll on your body. Nice. Nice. At level 10, you get Blazing Resilience. Your connection to the Phoenix grants you resilience against fire and heat. You gain resistance to fire damage. Additionally, when you take fire damage, you can use your reaction to absorb some of the flames, reducing the damage taken after applying your resistance by an amount equal to your fighter level plus your constitution modifier. 
you can use that ability again, number of times equal to your um, proficiency modifier. At level 15, you get Searing Sky. As an action, you can leap 15 feet into the air, then make a high-speed dive towards a target within 30 feet of you. The target must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, they take 8d6 bludgeoning damage, plus 4d6 fire damage. On a successful save, they take half damage. After using Searing Sky, you suffer from the recoil, taking half of the total damage dealt to the target, rounded down, as fire damage. Um, that one, again, I'll have to do a little bit of tweaking on the damage that you take back. Like, mm -hmm. if it's fire damage, does that is it affected by your resistance? Right, yeah. <clears throat> A little bit of tweaking there, but... Uh, level 18, you get Phoenix Ascension. You achieve the pinnacle of your connection to the Phoenix, gaining the ability to temporarily transcend your mortal limits. Once per long rest, you can enter a state of Phoenix Ascension as a bonus action. While in Phoenix Ascension, you gain the following benefits for one minute. Your weapon attacks deal an additional 1d10 fire damage, you have advantage on dexterity saving throws. Your movement speed increases by 10 feet. You can use Phoenix Flare and Searing Sky one, each once per turn in replacement of one of your attacks per action rather than using an entire action. After Phoenix Ascension ends, you gain three levels of exhaustion as the fiery energy leaves your body drained. Additionally, your maximum hit points are reduced by an amount equal to your fighter level for 24 hours, representing the toll that channeling such intense power takes on your body. That's our mega. Mm -hmm. And there's a uh, Phoenix Flare and Searing Sky are based primarily off of two of Blaziken's moves. Yeah. Flare Blitz and uh, what's it? Bravebird. Uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> nice. I like um, I like making Flare Blitz an AOE. That's really neat. Mm -hmm. You got to manage your health quite a lot. Yes. That is something that I wanted to be a huge part of the subclass mm -hmm. because in Pokemon, Blaziken is a massive glass cannon. Mm -hmm. You deal a lot of damage, you take a lot of damage. Does not have very good defenses. Yep. <clears throat> and also, Bla uh, Flare Blitz and Brave Bird are both recoil moves. So when you hit, you take damage as well. Yep. So it's kind of a high risk, high reward. Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. Um, I've, I forget, does, um, does Flare Blitz scale with the amount of people you hit with it for recoil? Um, in Pokemon, it scales, here, the, the recoil I mean, damage scales with how much damage you deal on here. I don't think I did. Okay. Wait, I, actually, actually the way it's worded. Yes, it does. Oh, gee. <laughs> I didn't realize that until you said that. Yeah. Um, when you make this attack, you take half of the bludgeoning damage dealt. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would tweak that. Uh, the, the fact that it hits the ground makes me think that it should uh be a set value or amount of damage dice that you take in recoil i was gonna say i could just switch it to just a static 2d6 blood i think damage. that would be appropriate yeah 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 since you're dealing 46 total as as damage to everything mm -hmm. else that makes sense to me i think that's good and then blazing resilience 
Resistance to fire damage. What level do you get the Flare Blitz one? Flare Blitz is level seven. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. <clears throat> I wanted one of them to definitely be an AOE and mm -hmm. one of them to be targeted. And I felt like Brave Bird was a better targeted attack. Than I think Flare so. Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then you nailed it. Phoenix Ascension being the mega evolution. Yeah. I like that a lot. These were both so much fun. Mm -hmm. So much yeah. fun to do. We're, we're probably going to do quite a few more of these. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like yeah. These are so, this is a really good thought exercise for us, especially because, mm -hmm. man, like I said, we, we think about both Pokemon and D and D uh, under this weird specific microscope all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do the, uh, more of these for sure. And I also want to really look into what, what it would take to make some Pokemon moves into spells. Yeah. Like we were talking about with substitute and mm -hmm. shadow sneak and all that. We, we, we've talked, we've discussed that a lot and never like followed through on it. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have to do that soon. It's hard. Cause like often uh, when I'm, you know, uh, looking at, looking at Pokemon, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of these moves and being like, that should be a spell or something or an ability. And right. then it is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, for like smokescreen and, and haze or whatever we've got like a uh, fog yeah fog yeah. cloud yeah yeah often often i just find stuff that like already kind of exists draco meteor being meteor swarm uh, oh shit it is isn't it double team is um mirror image yeah charge beam is interesting i was just about to say not charge beam but i was just looking at nasty plot would i would you... be fascinated to try and do a thought experiment on how we would apply the stat boosting moves yeah. to D and D. Wow, that's I haven't thought about that because there's nothing that really does that. You know what you could do? Huh. If you make it like a fifth, sixth level spell or above, you could make it to where it boosts two of your stats by two points temporarily. Yeah. Like or or maybe one of your stats by two points temporarily. Yeah. But like I, I mean like if you have like a dragon dance equivalent. Yeah. You know, like I mean, 10 feet movement, uh, plus one strength. Yeah. I was thinking for a swords dance, um, you could do plus two to your strength and plus two to your constitution. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe for swords dance, it would probably be strength and dexterity. I think you're right. Cause that covers for finesse weapons. Yeah. But yeah, then like nasty plot, you could increase your, I feel like charisma and wisdom would be the two because that covers for 90% of casters. It doesn't affect wizards. It'd be the bottom. Yeah. I can't justify not affecting wizards. I know. I think, I think just plus one to your spell casting modifier. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's all you have to do with that. That's very, very true. I would love to come up with a set of spells to replicate the weather moves in D and D. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Something. And like specifically like increase the amount of damage that fire spells and attacks mm -hmm. deal under the sun and decrease the amount that like cold yeah. spells deal. So under. rain, Dan rain dance specifically is something that I've been thinking about for Swampert spoilers for whenever I cover that. Mm -hmm. uh, because in, looking at 
Swampert and all of the things he could possibly do, I'm drawn to the Mega because I just I just love that Mega design so much. Um, and specifically sad. Swift Swim. Oh, yeah. Your um, walking speed increases by however much in the rain. Yeah, and like you gotta have some sort of rain dance. Dude, can you imagine um, Foul Play as a spell? Yes. Where you cast it targeting like a melee enemy mm -hmm. and it deals damage to them equal to their strongest attack. Yeah. Equal to their strongest attack. That that's crazy. Or like they're not not like ability, like melee attack. Right. Yeah. What's like if if you cast it on like a barbarian or something with like twenty strength using a great axe, it deals one d twelve plus the thing five about, or something. The thing about foul play though is that um, it's it's a physical damaging move. Um, often used by or, or per portrayed as used by Pokemon that are physical attackers. Like Zoroark is a really good example of this. Hmm. Like he's, he, they portray Zoroark as using foul play a lot. Um, and the way I've always thought about it is that it's a physical attack uh, that uses dexterity to leverage the opponent's strength against them mm, so maybe you just use their strength modifier instead of i think so and in doing so i think it would be a really good monk ability that would be a really good monk ability yeah yeah that's so fun <laughs> like, like you choose to use the opponent's strength mod is i think is how i would do it yeah knockoff would be a sick martial ability to maybe give to like a barbarian or something where it's like just a melee attack and the target has to make a, I don't know, constitution save. And if they fail, they drop whatever weapon or thing they were holding. A oh, weapon would be brutal having to pick that up. You know, it would also be a really, really funny, interesting ability. I have so, no idea what class or subclass I would put this on, but spite. Spite. Um, that's a cut. Oh, I'm thinking of hex. Um, yeah. Spite cuts the power points of the previously used move against the user. Oh yeah. Specifically targeting a spell caster. Uh huh. Like if a spell caster hits you with a spell, you can activate spite as a reaction and like siphon an amount of spell levels from them equal to the level of the spell that, that just yeah. hit you. Would you just like pull like one slot? I, I don't know. It would have to be balanced really specifically. Yeah. I would say you could maybe take up to five levels of spells away from them. So like if you want to do five first level spell slots, you could do that, but you're not pulling any of the higher level ones. Or you could pull a third level and two first levels or something like that. Or we could go with something as simple as it costs an additional spell level. So like if they hit you with the fifth level... It takes away another fifth level. The balance is hard. I don't think yeah. we could do that one. PowerPoints are just are just way too different. Maybe maybe you would siphon half of the spell levels rounded down. You know what else I've wanted to uh, fuck around with and try and put into D and D uh, items from Pokemon. Ooh, really quick while we're still on moves. Yes, though, I just saw Calm Mind. 
defensive boosting stats. Oh no. Would that so would that give you an armor class boost? Okay. I think he would have I think he would have to specify them a lot. Uh and make them uh, well shit, I don't know. I was going to say make them resistances. Uh Wait. Plus 1 to saving throws. You could do plus 1 to saving throws. Cuz calm mind is specifically special defense, which is like Spell defense. Here's the thing. Calm Mind is a very specifically flavored move. And I think you could pull the idea of Calm Mind away from its in-game mechanics a little bit and say that you get resistance to psychic damage and plus one to uh, the spell save DC of spells that deal psychic psychic damage. Maybe that's way too specific. Fuck. Um, you say they deal an additional damage die. Yeah, that would be enough. Yeah, yeah. That would just be add one more. Uh huh. Because there's a lot of stuff that deals psychic damage. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's um, there are cantrips that do it, and there are like some low level spells that yeah. do it. That'd be sick, and especially if you like, it rewards a specialized build mm-hmm. it really rewards a specialized yeah. build and i feel like that's a that's gonna happen with a lot of like pokemon abilities moves items whatever that we translate to D. probably they're gonna reward a specialized build yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean one of the things we've talked about that we like a lot is like just unnecessarily specific effects you know yeah um and like like conditional shit like that mm-hmm. um and like i don't i don't mind that if we're going hog wild and adding something for everyone cuz i i think the main complaint from people would be that like well not everyone can use this and it's like well yeah kind of the point exactly <laughs> like we're not building something that you can put on any character you want we're making something that you would build a character to use mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, the whole th- the whole point of Pokemon, honestly. Not mm-hmm. every Pokemon can learn every move for good fucking reason. Yeah. Okay, so items are difficult because a lot of them are just passive stat bonuses, effectively. Yeah. I think some of the ones that would be the most fun to work on would be like um absorb bulb. Like if you're hit by a water type attack, your special attack rises right or like the resistance berries yeah yeah reactive stuff like that mm-hmm. or like oh, fuck weakness policy oh shit. yeah oh, man that's a hard one if you're hit by a move that you have a vulnerability to yeah but the problem is there's not many people or things that have vulnerabilities what did we just say yeah we'd have to build something to have <laughs> a vulnerability yeah that's very fair that'd be fuck that'd be sick though no! Oh my what? gosh! If you get hit by a critical hit. Uh, if you get hit by a crit. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing you got to remember. This isn't going to... This isn't going to hold an item slot like it does in Pokemon. Right. This is something you just have on you. Yeah. And it's a consumable thing, presumably. I feel like making it so it's like if you get hit by a crit, you gain like a, a damage buff for mm-hmm. the next minute or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to think on that one. It's, it's so... There, yeah, there's a the lot of consumable directions. ones, the passive consumable ones are really strange. 
to try to adapt. It's like, how do you flavor that? Right. You want to hear one that'll really melt here's, your brain? Okay, hold on. Yeah, here's here's what I think I would do is would not make the item itself consumable. I would give it passive charges that reset at dawn. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Just make that like a like a one a day. If you get hit by a crit, you do crazy damage. Yeah. For the you next can, minute. You could even make it so that it's like if you if you let's say it's let's say it has three charges. That's a lot. You get hit by a crit. Well, here's what I'm thinking. You get hit by a crit. Eh, maybe two. We'll go with two charges. <laughs> you get hit by a critical attack. Um you can spend one charge to for the next minute, give yourself one additional damage dice on all of your attacks. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Or you could spend both of those charges to give yourself two additional damage dice. Oh, that is good. Yeah. So like you could save it mm-hmm. and see if like if you need it, maybe I think it would necessarily need to last for less than a minute then. Probably. Yeah. 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 Maybe like the next two attacks or something like your next turn. So your next turn. Yeah. You could yeah, tor- turn or two even. Mm-hmm. Two would be fine. The reason why I'm thinking one turn is because if you give it to a monk. Oh fuck. Okay, fuck that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. One turn. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right. Yeah. On your next turn. Yeah, that would be fucking <laughs> Jesus. two additional damage dice for the whole turn. Yeah. is already a lot to be uh-huh. scared of from yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny on a monk actually <laughs> holy shit that would be fucking hilarious <clears throat> you want to hear another one that'll just yeah. melt your brain mirror herb mirror herb copies an opponent's uh, stat increases oh, fuck. how crazy. in the hell would we use that i wouldn't i just wouldn't <laughs> i just I, I wouldn't. We're make tapping it, out. We're tapping out. I wouldn't make it stat increases. No, God, no. Um, it would have to be something really. Specific. It would have to be something else. What is a condition? A positive condition that you could mirror. Yeah. What if, perchance? <laughs> what you can't just say perchance. You could. <laughs> What if the mirror herb, and this would make it a very high rarity item. Yes. What if you could copy legendary resistance? Oh. If you are going up against something that uses a legendary resistance, Uh you also, and you can see it within 30 feet of you, you also gain one legendary resistance. And you can do that. That happens once per day. I kind of like that. Because, like, how sick would that be in, like, the BBEG fight at the end of a campaign where you're in it and you're dying and they use a legendary resistance and your mirror herb procs and then they come at you with an effect or something. You go, actually, I watched you do this. This is, like, um, competitive also, but defensive. Yeah. I like that. That is kind of cool. It's really fun. <laughs> and then you got shit like the uh, big root. What's that do? Recovers more hit points from HP stealing moves. Oh. You could have that apply to healing. Yeah. One additional healing die. That, that Yeah, actually, that's pretty good. This is 
way more fun than I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was going to be so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But can you imagine? Nondescript, mind you. We're not going specific. Mm -hmm. Megastones. Megastones. I think they would have to be like a legendary rarity or above. What what does it even do though? That's the thing. <laughs> no one knows. I don't know. You you expect me to know? I, I had an idea. It's not my job to know what the idea <laughs> does. Man. I just- <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. That's what this podcast is for. <laughs> I'm thinking, Sam. I'm thinking. Um I feel like it would do something similar to like Obviously not to the same extent, but something similar to the final ability of the Blazing Phoenix subclass. Where, like, it just severely enhances your capabilities for, like, a minute, and then you go down. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, yeah, honestly, and you could flavor them all after the different mega evolutions. You could if you wanted to, or you could just make it one, just mega stone. Um, and like if you no necessarily, I think you'd at least have to have one for each class. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, your idea is better. I I think yeah. I mean I think all of the mega evolutions that exist like cover all of the in one way or all another of, yeah. all of the types of builds that people do, and I think several are applicable to to multiple classes. Uh, if you if you were to translate them. Yeah, that's that's extremely abstract, but we will probably come back to that idea in a in a in a in a thought out manner. Yeah, that would be fun. Mm -hmm. Choice items. I don't want to talk about choice. (laughs) No, (laughs) there's no. Okay, well, they're cursed items. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Scarf and band. I don't I don't know. I I feel like scarf would be the unique one. I think band and specs would be mirrors of each other. Really? I think what it would be is choice band, cursed item. Um, <clears throat> while you are attuned to it, you cannot activate magical abilities of any other items or cast spells. Okay, yeah. And then it gives you a serious damage boost. Right. Choice specs, I think it would be you can't activate magical abilities of items and you cannot make melee attacks. Yes. I would have to say so. Ooh, for specs. Imagine it um one level upcasts every spell that you that you cast. That's good. That's funny. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then for band, you could have it where it increases your damage die by one Mm -hmm. so like if you're normally rolling a d6 you roll a d8 right yeah and i think for scarf honestly you could probably just do it where you can't activate the magical the abilities of magical items um and your speed increases by like 20 feet or something like that and maybe your armor class increases by one as well yeah Ooh, i just saw an item that lends itself very well to a subclass of some kind yeah um there are a couple different pokemon that have effects like this um i just saw the item burn drive what does that do 
It is an item for Genesect. Oh. Changes Technoblast to a fire-type yeah. move. Imagining Arceus's plates. Imagining Silvali's memories. The drives for Genesect. Okay, so this is this is getting into uh, a type of item that I've been workshopping for a little bit where um, equipping it just adds a damage type to your weapon attacks. Ooh. That's what I feel like that's kind of doing. Yeah, kind of. Oh, Sam. What? This is an artificer subclass. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, because you could justify having just like a spell that is an analog for Technoblast. Yeah, or a weapon. Just a weapon in general. Uh or a weapon. You could tie it in with a with an artificer infusion. Yes. Because what I'm thinking, there are three different types of like type changing items mm -hmm. with Arceus Savali Genesect. Mm -hmm. If you have three different ways that you can plug in an element to your character, like maybe one for damage, one for like resistance, and one for um I don't know, like a passive effect mm -hmm. or something. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. This doesn't cause this to not work, but there are less viable damage types to use like that in D&D &D than there are in Pokemon. Possibly. I feel like there is a comparable enough number because you could you could throw in bludgeoning, piercing and slashing. Could you? Those are those are the ones I have the hardest time justifying personally. Really? Yeah. Because like like radiant makes sense to me. Fire makes sense to me. Radiant, I fire, can, I cold, can, acid, poison. I can maybe even justify necrotic. Yeah, necrotic, force damage, psychic damage. Uh -huh. I think there is a comparable enough. Let me. Hold I think on. what's that? Seven. There is acid, cold, fire, force, lightning, necrotic, poison, psychic, radiant, thunder. Okay, so that's ten. enough. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. That's, That's justifiable. Doable. Yeah, because with like the the purely physical ones, it's like okay, is 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 the fucking sword also punching you? <laughs> you know, add bludgeoning damage to your sword. It's just like a six inch thick sword. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it's the Buster Sword actually. It's the Dragon Slayer. <laughs> we have a lot of fun doing this kind of thing very often. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Uh, and we will be back to do it again. Yes. So we uh, have recently been going back through our own episodes mm -hmm. and pulling content that we said, we'll come back to that. And then never did. Yeah. For like 20 episodes. We're making a list. So yeah, don't yeah, hold your gonna, breath. We're going to come we'll back around there. to some earlier stuff. Um, hey, we hope you had fun with this episode. Um, we're going to do more like these. Not, not like all the time, but every now and then I think we're going to do more like these. Uh, so if you have shit from Pokemon or, you know, anything else or just your own creation, obviously, because this is the podcast for homebrew and homies, um, that you want to submit to us, you should do so at someone greater on Twitter or someone greater pod at gmail.com. Yeah. We hope to see you in our little inboxes and, uh, don't forget to, you know, subscribe to the channel. We get lonely. He, he gets lonely. Please. I have uh beanie babies hell yeah <laughs> <laughs>